When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Lisa Stone, and you're listening to Parenting Aces. Welcome to Season 11 of the Parenting Aces Podcast, part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Lisa Stone, and this week we are speaking with college coach Chance Juiced about his experience both playing and coaching at various levels of college tennis. Chance responded to a tweet that I had put out after my recent podcast with Todd Whittem, and he and I started exchanging tweets and then emails, and now I'm thrilled to be able to bring the conversation here to the podcast so you can all hear why families and junior coaches need to start looking beyond Division One in order to grow college tennis and grow tennis in general. Before I bring Chance on, however, I want to just do a quick reminder. If you haven't already, we would love for you to become a premium member of Parenting Aces and have full access to our website, podcasts, social channels, and free consultations with me. So if you go to parentingaces.com, click on the join button in the top right, you will be given explicit directions in how to make this all happen. And we would love to have you be part of our community. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with Coach Chance Juiced. Chance, thank you so much for doing the podcast. It is a pleasure to meet you finally, even though it's virtual, but um, welcome to Parenting Aces. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm very excited to be on here and I'm excited for the opportunity to talk. Anytime talking more tennis is uh, always something that I love to do. Well, me too, um, obviously. So let's jump right in. I, Since this is your first time being on the podcast, I would love for you to give our viewers slash listeners a little bit of your tennis story. How did you get started in the sport? And what was your progression through the sport to your present day job as a college coach? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my grandpa and his brother played a little bit of professional tennis back in the 40s. Wow. Um, so before they decided to join the armed forces, um, which kind of just led this family snowball of tennis players. Um, uh, my dad played a little bit, uh, didn't get quite as involved, but once he had my brother and I, we both started playing tennis at two years old. So, uh, my brother's five years older than me. He played at the university of Arkansas. Um, before transferring to Washburn University. He's now a tennis pro in Kansas City. Um, and then myself, you know, I grew, started playing tennis at two years old. Uh, we joined Mike Wolf Tennis Academy in Kansas City right off the bat when I was, oh, I think my brother was seven. Um, so I was right, right out the gates. Um, but I 
joined the academy at seven years old. Um, started training, you know, during the summers. It was eight hours a day, six days a week. Um, and and, then, and let me just interrupt you one second. For those who don't know, Mike Wolf is also the guy who Jack Sock played with, um, grew up playing yes. for Jack's, and with. Jack Sock was my hitting partner actually at, at Mike Wolf Tennis Academy. We uh, Jack Sock and I go way way back. Um, we actually used to stay at some of the same houses because he's originally from Lincoln. Um, and me originally being from Topeka, Kansas, you know, both of us had a drive to get to Kansas city. So we'd often stay with people. Um, but yeah, I trained there until I was 12 years old. And then we, we left the, left the Academy there. Um, and then we moved on to, uh, I, trained in Lawrence, Kansas with Stuart Waters, who was a famous player at Iowa. Um, he's out of tennis now, but a great coach, great guy. Um, and we found coach Heath Turpin, who's now down in Florida. He's coaching Braden Schnur and a lot of those guys. Um, he's sent numerous guys to division one. Heath changed my career. Um, you know, gave me a forehand that was was unbelievable but um gave me a passion for tennis as well that was unrivaled and just the the energy and intensity that I needed so um trained with Heath eventually got to be a top 50 player in the country when I was 14 15 got a few started getting a few uh interests from from division one schools Oregon Florida State Arkansas things like that uh didn't hurt that my brother was already at Arkansas so um but then had a wrist surgery as a sophomore in high school. Mm -hmm. Um, I got in a fight as well, got jumped in high school, which put me out for another six months. Um, and then I had a torn rotator cuff, which was just one thing after another. Um, my grandpa financed most of my tennis or he didn't, I wouldn't say most of it, but he certainly helped out. Um, and he was living in Topeka. So I had some offers from D one schools, but I chose to go to division two at my hometown, Washburn university. And, um, and hopes that he would be able to see me play, um, all this, all this money and hard work that he had put out. I was hoping that maybe I could return the favor by, by allowing him to watch me. And, um, that unfortunately did not happen, but played at Washburn, um, got kicked off the team as a freshman, uh, for, for not going to class. Uh oh. And then, uh, got my act together. Um, kind of found my, found myself, um, uh, you know, second semester of my freshman year, got back on the team, got back, got, not, got my scholarship back. Um, and then finished off top 15 and wins at Washburn when I, when I finished my career. And you played all four years there, minus the yep. semester that, yep. Yep. Minus, <laughs> that you were minus, a bad guy minus, and didn't get to play. <laughs> minus the whoopsie daisy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I played all, all four years there. Loved it. Um, wouldn't trade that time for, for anything. Uh, I love Washburn University it's still to this day. I mean, we, we play them all the time now, but I'm always like, oh, 
Washburn. Like, you guys weren't <laughs> playing us. You know, go Bods. Like, I'm always, I'm always looking at their schedule, always keeping up with them. Really good friends with the coach now. Um, but yeah, so then I was a grad assistant um, there after my playing days for two years. Went on to be the head coach at Heston College at 23, um, which was a small private school, two-year private school. Um, great people there. Left to be the director of tennis at KCRC in Kansas City, Kansas City Rec Club, um, before it was bought out by Genesis Health Clubs. Um, worked there for a year and a half and then uh, saw the job opening for William Woods and thought that was too good of an opportunity to pass up. Uh, two perennial top 15 NAIA programs. Um, and I was fortunate enough to get that job. And here I am. So I have to be honest, I had never heard of William Woods until you and I started communicating on Twitter and I looked up the school. I am very familiar with NAIA, having lived in Atlanta for many, many years, yeah. um, Georgia Gwinnett College, you yeah. know, perennial yeah. national They're champions. <laughs> They're <Yeah>. terrible, <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I did befriend Chase Hodges, who Chase recently recently left. Um to take a job with Universal Tennis, uh, interestingly yep. enough. But um, so I, you know, I've tried to educate myself around the different divisions of college tennis, Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, NAIA, junior colleges, and really to help educate the parents and the junior coaches out there about these different divisions and the opportunities that they afford to these young players. We have a, a real problem in this country of people thinking that if they don't go to a top 25 division one college, that they have failed as tennis parents, tennis coaches, and tennis players. I am here to tell a different story. And that's why you're here this week is to tell Absolutely. a different story. Let's talk about, first of all, your decision to play at a division two school yourself as a player did you ever regret passing up the opportunity to play division one? Oh, um, so honestly, when I signed, I was pretty disappointed. Um, I had a great scholarship at Washburn. Um, but to be honest, I was, I was like, man, am I making the right choice here? Like I've got some of these division one schools that are looking at me. I really haven't even given them a fair shot. Um, I just, I didn't even take a visit anywhere else. Hmm. Um, Why not? But, I mean, I other just, than, as you said, you wanted to be close for your grandfather. That was really it. I mean, my grandpa was like my father figure, even though my dad's in my life, you know, and I love my dad, but my grandpa was my everything. So um, just to be close to him and, and then, you know, that's my mom's dad. My mom and I are very, very close. So him getting sick and that was, and his wife had already died. My grandma had already died. So that was really it. Mm -hmm. Um, my brother had just graduated from there. So I knew the coach I had already hit with the coach a couple of times. Uh, I knew he was a cool guy. Uh, he's actually coming to my wedding this Saturday. Um, which is always a cool thing when, when your college coach is still in your life. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, it was that was the main reason. Um, I knew it was a high level division two program, mm -hmm. which I which when I had looked at competitiveness, I was like, man, like 
the Division One schools that are interested in me aren't even as good as the school in Division Two. Like we would destroy some of these teams. You're and talking tennis-wise. Yeah, tennis-wise. And, and let's uh, let's talk about the academic side, too, because this is, yeah, you know, this is where I think a lot of American families get hung up and a lot of junior coaches, the junior coaches are focused more on the tennis, right? right. Which schools are winning championships. The parents, in my opinion, and from what I've seen and heard through conversations, seem to be more hung up on the reputation of the school, both academically and athletically. And so are, you know, funneling their children to only look at these top tier division one schools. Oh, Chance, you, I'm going to pause a second. So we had a little technical glitch there. Sorry about that. But we were talking about the fact that American families seem to be caught up in the reputation academically and athletically of the schools and therefore only funnel their children to look at schools that fit their definition of a good college. And I wanted to just ask you about your experience academically in college and did you feel like you were getting as good if not better an education than your peers playing at division one schools yeah i think uh for me at washburn i studied kinesiology um i went in didn't really know what i wanted to do um but the fact was is that i was getting much more personal attention mm-hmm. um I, I had class sizes of 20 kids which was phenomenal for me for somebody who wasn't really big into school in the first place um i mean school was important to me but tennis was everything and um that really changed at washburn like my teachers my professors i had a professor who worked on one of the original or his his mentor worked on one of the original vo2 maxes at harvard and and usc and like he studied at Harvard and he was like kind of kind of retiring almost, but still loved teaching. So he, that's, he was at Washburn for that reason. And wow. like, I loved the guy. Like he walked in just with a zest for teaching and like every single one of my teachers loved teaching. Mm. They loved kinesiology and they loved Washburn. And like, I remember my sophomore year, like walking on campus and my psychology teacher knew I was on the tennis team and walked by and like my first, my legal first name's Ryan, but I go by chance. And like, I never told teachers that because I just thought it was a hassle, but this guy walked down campus and said, Hey chance, how's it going? And I was like, how do you even know my name? Like my actual <laughs> name. My Ed, he was like, Hey, you know, just saw like you did great last weekend at the tournament. Like, that's awesome. I was like, dude, I had you for one class in a semester a couple semesters ago. And how do you still know me? Like yeah. on a school, I mean, Washburn's 9,000 people. So I mean, it's not, it's not tiny. Yeah. yeah. And these teachers just invested so much into the students and I felt like I got such a better education because they they were so focused on me 
mm-hmm. and individually students who cared. Um, and it sounds like they were able to spark that love of learning in you that oh had my gosh, yes. lain dormant, you know, up till that point. So I think, you know, that happens with a lot of tennis kids. I mean, we all talk about how tennis kids are, you know, they're such hard workers, they're devoted, they're passionate. Um, and that that carries over into other areas. But the reality is a lot of these kids are, you know, academically, they don't have time to devote to school like a non-athlete would have. And sometimes it's very difficult to find that love of learning. Now, that's not to say that's across the board and not even the majority, but there are a lot of kids. My son was the same as you, you know, the, the school was just a hassle to get through. So I love your story about, you know, finding those professors at the collegiate level that really, you know, got you interested and, and got you to love the pursuit of knowledge and not just focusing on tennis all the time. So I think that's, that's an amazing testimonial for being on a smaller campus, being, you know, in an environment where the, faculty has the time and the ability to get to know the students on an individual level. I want to kind of transition from that to talking about your work at William Woods and being in an NAIA school. And can you talk a little bit about the overlap between William Woods and your experience in Division Two? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, William Woods is even smaller. Um, you know, we've got a thousand undergraduate students. Um, it is a four-year university though, correct? Four-year university. We've got graduate school. We've got a great MBA in five programs. So kids can get their master's in five years. You start working on it your senior year. Um, so that's really cool. Um, we, we just announced that we're adding doctorate studies. Um, but yeah, I mean, William Woods, the people are what make William Woods different. I mean, that's, everybody just really cares. And I think that's something that's really common with a lot of these smaller schools is that people are there because they want to be there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the smaller schools, you have choices of going elsewhere, but you're there because you care about the students and you have more hands-on, more time to invest with the student. Um, And that's kind of what I've experienced at William Woods. It's just people really, really care we find ways to get things done um, that's going to maximize the student's potential, um, whether that's on the court or off the court. Um, we have professors that go through great links just to get kids hands-on experience, whether it's you know the marketing kids working with the sports teams to market our games and our matches, or um, you know, I have kids intern for me all the time that have nothing to do with the tennis program. They just come in and, hey, you know, can I make a recruiting brochure? Or, you know, what about a game day thing, like free pizza or something like that? I'm like, yeah, absolutely. Like, let's, you know, I love these ideas. Those are some, some of the same ideas I have. Let's get it going. I just need some more hands to do it. And, um, oh, you are so speaking my language right now because this has been what a topic I have 
talked about for years is this overlap in university settings between the different departments and the tennis team, because we know tennis isn't the best funded sports on college campuses. And so no. you've got to be able to take advantage of free resources available to you. You've got a whole student body there itching for projects and internships. Yeah, it's and, uh, it's yeah. incredible. And I'll honestly say that it has been our professors that have led that charge. Oh, I um, love hearing that. And And the coolest part is that, you know, like we have a lot of young coaches. So I mean, a lot of us are just, we're, we're into being united and working together with academics. And that's usually an issue in some schools, but here we really work together. And um, I will say at William Woods is probably a little different than most schools. The tennis program has traditionally been very, very successful. Um, and so it's probably funded as one of the better sports on campus for now, I should say. Um, but uh, hopefully that stays that way. Um, always need funding, though. We can always use some fundraisers. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, it's me it's too. Been, <laughs> yeah, it's it's been it's been taken care of really well, and um, the past coaches have done a great job with it. And um, so, yeah, I mean, I think we get a lot of love as a tennis program here at William Woods, and that's something that's different. Baseball team comes out, softball team comes out, soccer team comes out. You know, we have the lead program here at William Woods, which is really interesting that um, kids get points for showing up to certain activities. So um, and you get a five thousand dollar scholarship for showing up to those things. So really, yeah. So it's really, really cool. You know, we've got this great program that encourages kids to be active on campus um, whether that's oh my going gosh, to, I love that. Yeah, it's great. It's very unique. You know, you go to a, you go to a theater program or or a basketball game or uh, a speaker shows up or we have stuff virtually. Um, you get lead points and you get. I think you have to get you know forty some odd lead points uh, a semester. You know, depending on the thing, you know, I think a basketball game might be like three points. So, you know, you do a couple of those things, you can get your points really, really quick. Um, and then it's Plus, just what an amazing includes way for, everybody. You right. know, what, I mean, it's an amazing way for the students to network and to build these networks prior to graduating that hopefully are going to open doors for them. I mean, my goodness. I think I think our college community here at William Woods is very unique. I mean, we we're so connected. Um, you know, I think the tennis seems really, really close. Obviously, we have 15 different countries represented on our team, so we're a home away from home for everyone. But tennis team loves the soccer team, as always. You know, but loves the baseball team, and you know, goes and watches softball and you know, women's soccer. And I mean, we're just basketball we're all over the place and i I see that from the other sports as well and um it's exciting to have home matches and it's exciting to go to home games and things like that so it's very unique and um very special here at william woods and i think it's just something that we we want this idea of this big division one college the top 25 program and i think american parents just don't realize you're competing against the whole world Whereas your buddy's son who's playing football 
is only competing against other American kids. That's right. And so you're trying to get your kid into one of these top 25 worldwide programs. And that's just rare. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's rare. You're basically asking your kid to go to the NFL by the time he's 18. Right. And it's just, um, the st- statistics, it's incredible. Yeah. So, you know, I think for me choosing Washburn, one of the aspects of it was, am I going to play? Mm-hmm. And I knew 100% I would be in the lineup for four years. And William Woods, you know, our power six UTR is a 66. And I think that's a little underrated. I think Midwest UTR is a little, little lower than other places, but um, you know, like kids know they're going to come here. They're going to play. They're probably going to win a conference championship or a, or two while they're here for four years, which is always a blast. Yeah. You're going to go to nationals every single year. We're going to go to Georgia and we're going to play Georgia Gwinnett. We're going to play middle Georgia state. We're going to play the top division two teams around here, Northwest Missouri state, Drury, Southwest Baptist, Washburn. You're going to get this great opportunity to play great tennis. And, you know, some of our kids are 11 and a half, 12s that you never know they could pop off and, and go pro one one day. You know, you mm-hmm. just don't know when you get a kid in who's an 11.5 UTR, who knows what he's going to do in four years. Right, right. But Well, yeah. you, talk, you talked about the fact that you have 15 different countries represented on you. You coach both the men and the women. Correct. Um, and so in our recent podcast with Todd Whittem, you know, we talked about the fact that the majority of tennis players in Division One men and women are international. They are not from the U.S. And it's a problem for American families that have invested hundreds of thousands of dollars. And let's not kid ourselves. That is a realistic number. If your child starts playing tennis, let's say they start playing at eight or nine, which we know many of them start earlier than that, but then they're playing junior tennis for 10 years I mean, several hundred thousand dollars is is a real number. Probably on training alone. Exactly. Exactly. Not not counting tournaments and hotels and food and all that jazz. Right. And the mental coach and the physical therapist and the everything else that has become part of junior tennis now. Right. So why wouldn't you widen the funnel? as a, as a parent and encourage your child to look everywhere that they can look to find opportunities to pay for their education in college and continue to play the sport that they are passionate about. Why wouldn't you do that? It's, you know, it's mind boggling. And listen, I get it because I was one of those parents when my kid was going through recruiting. All we knew was Division One. That's all anyone had ever talked to us about. And that's all we knew. But I'm here to talk about a lot more than Division One and to hopefully get the junior coaches thinking about more than Division One and for sure getting the parents and the players to think about more than Division One. So along those lines, Chance, 
Talk to me about what recruiting looks like at NAIA and what opportunities scholarship-wise are available to tennis players at NAIA schools. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, recruiting-wise, the part of our problem as Americans as well is that we're so high maintenance when it comes to recruiting. Like, I was one of those kids, too. I was Division One or, or bust and ended up going Division Two. and loved it. But man, like I just, I can some parents that you get on the phone with them and they're like, well, yeah, I never heard of William Woods. So, um, are you going to offer my son a full ride? I'm like, second sentence out of the block. Holy cow. Like, yeah. Give me, give me a shot at least to, to sell you. And, um, so that's, that's been difficult with American parents is just like, Oh, any, I, uh, well, we're we're really not interested. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, I'm sorry. Do you, do you know anything about NAI? Do you know? Have you heard of Georgia Gwinnett? I mean, 168 matches in a row. Well, it's insane. So, um, the what do you want us to know about NAI? NAI is is you know we we have less restrictions than the NCAA. So, so let me just clarify, NAIA does not fall under NCAA regulations. No, they are their own division entity. or entity, yeah. yes, separate from the NCAA. So any NCAA rules, those are NCAA, Division One, Two, and Three. NAIA Correct. has its own set of rules and regs. Okay, right. go ahead. And, and, and to be honest, most of the NAIA, we, we, we follow a lot of the NCAA rules. We piggyback a lot, mm-hmm. um, but we don't have the hours rule. So, you know, my kids can go play as much as they want. We have, you have to have one day off. That's it. My kids most of the time don't even take a day off, but you know, that's on their own. But, you know, for me, it's okay. We're going to practice five days a week, two hours a day. You're going to have a private lesson at least once a week with either me or two of them. I have two assistants then you're going to have an hour of strength conditioning with the strength coach who was courted by the LA Rams. So, you know, like great opportunities here at NAIA. I mean, and, and we stack scholarships academically, athletically, um, you know, academics, you can, you can get a, a really nice scholarship, almost probably 60% um, of your tuition covered academically. And then, you get athletic on top of that, plus the lead scholarship, which is that five thousand dollars scholarship the kids work towards. Mm-hmm. Um, you do stay on campus all four years. Most kids do because that's how you get the five thousand dollars. But um, it's it's a great small community that you you love and um, recruiting for the NAI is just you know, do you want to be cared for? Do you want that personal attention? Do you want um, do you want to work hard? Do you love tennis? You know, and internationally, that's a lot easier to, to get with kids who are just like, I'm my whole dreams to play in the United States. I don't care if it's for them, it's Naya or, you know, NCAA. And it's like, awesome. You know, let's have f- some phone calls, some video calls, one or two. And then usually they make their decision. And it's easy for us college coaches. Whereas an American kid, it's it's courting them for six months, and then the parents just be like, ah, end of the day, you're not Division One, so see ya. 
and yeah. it's it's like come on come on man i mean you know i've got kids i've recruited kids in the last two years who would not have been in my top six there would have been like my seventh or eighth player on both either men or women and they ended up going to division one schools where they would have they were going to be number 11 or 12 on the roster and they got no money. And I was offering them almost a full tuition scholarship, if not offering them a full tuition scholarship. So they're probably paying less for me. And the only reason they went to the other school was because it was division one. And that was the reasoning they gave me. And then that school goes four and 14, Mm -hmm. which sounds just horrible horrible to be a part of i mean for me it was i want to win like you grow up in junior tennis winning and you just want to win so i want to be a part of a team that wins and if you're the seventh or eighth kid on the team you're probably playing a lot of matches Mm -hmm. and you know whether that's doubles or singles i mean shoot the way schools are going now i mean we we play 35 matches in a year wow a lot of double headers I need kids that can play. And, you know, my number one guy's probably going to get hurt at some point. My number three guy's probably going to say, hey, coach, I need I need today. Like, I know this team's a team that we can take a break on. Let's get some other guys some playing time. And that's great. But, yeah. you know, for American parents, I think just opening up our eyes and knowing that you spent all this money, let's see our kids play. Right instead of riding the bench. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'd love for you to debunk the statement that the reason there's so many international kids in college tennis is because college coaches can't be bothered with Americans. That, I mean, I, I think, I think that's, that's tricky. I mean, I, and that American not, not, kids aren't as good. They aren't as talented. That's, that's, yeah, I mean, that's not true at all. I mean, that's, American kids are just as talented. It's just usually they have so many more options. And kids from America just, we grow up with loyalties. I mean, I grew up 20 minutes from KU. If KU would have had a men's tennis team, I would have gone there in a heartbeat regardless of anything, mm-hmm. um, which is part of the issue. But, um, yeah, I mean, I it's not that we can't be bothered. It's, it's more usually that the American parents act like they can't be bothered with us. And, you know, we send out emails and we get no response from American parents. Whereas we send out an email to an international kid and we get a response within five minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and the kids are excited to talk to us. Whereas we talk to an American kid and a lot of times it's like, it's like we're bothering them. Mm-hmm. And it's an that insult could, almost, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. And it's not that we all want American kids. I mean, you talk to any coach, any college tennis coach who is an American, which most of us are, we want American kids playing because we want to help American tennis. It's not that we don't want international kids because we, we I think educationally for our American kids, it's very good. Yeah. Agreed. But, but at the same time, like, I can't get an American kid interested, mm-hmm. you know, like, 
I, but I you finally, do have you do have some Americans on your rosters. I do, I do, I do. I have I have three Americans on my men's team, and I have two on my women's team. Um, but you know we're in the middle of Missouri. We've got Kansas City two hours west of us, and we've got St. Louis an hour and a half east, and two massive cities, two massive tennis hubs in in the Midwest, and and college towns, and college towns, and you know. Yeah. Each city is 3 million people. Um, you know, Tulsa is not far away, and that's where I've gotten one of my American kids from Trent Tucker, but um, trained there for a little bit as well. Um, but, you know, that's – it's it's frustrating because mm-hmm. you want these American kids, and, you know, you want to help American kids. You want to – you want them to – you want to get the good ones. Like, you know, you don't want just the kids who – it's not that you don't want them, but I mean, you don't just want the kids who are like, I want a small education, you know, small school education that's focused on me, that really cares about me. And, you know, tennis is kind of on the side Mm -hmm. and it's like, okay, great. I also want, I want the kid where tennis is everything. And they also want a good education. Yes. And, um, I want those kids that have been in academies their whole life. And, well, and and one of the things that I hear from parents is, you know, you've got to go to a school with a, a great reputation so that the kid has employment opportunities after college, you know, so that oh, the name of the break. school opens doors. But from what you're telling me about that lead program that you guys have on campus, you're doing everything to provide those door opening opportunities for your students. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think I think the whole name recognition thing would have been a great thing to say 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, is that kids just aren't getting as many jobs outside of college, right out of college as they used to. So it doesn't matter what school you went to. You know, nobody, nobody, nobody goes, ah, Chance went to a Washburn University. Oh, we're not hiring him because he went to a Washburn instead of Kansas. Like, mm-hmm. no, I mean, it's, a lot of times the smaller schools are getting better looks right now from employers because they know they're getting individualized attention and the kids are, are time management skills are probably more refined because they've had to be, mm-hmm. um, the bigger schools, kid can just get lost and coast through. Whereas our school, you're not coasting through. I mean, my women's GPA team GPA is a 3.9 and my men's team GPA is a 3.6. Like, it kids are not coasting through if a kid has below a 3.0 they are in study hall and you know the professor is emailing me you know or 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 i'm just going on talking to them and and saying hey how's my kids doing and you know it's not that we're bugging each other but we're watching the kids we're taking care of the kids we're trying to provide the best opportunities we can and then you got got St. Louis Cardinals and, you know, Kansas City Chiefs and Kansas Speedway. You got all these things all right here. You've got the Ozarks, you know, Springfield. We have so many opportunities for employment around here. It's, it's crazy. I haven't had a single kid not get a job outside of college from William Woods. Yeah. And that's an important thing to note. And um, gosh, 
chance. <laughs> I feel like we need to just have like a five hour conversation here, but um, yeah. in the interest of time and, and making this something that people are going to listen to start to finish, I want to just give you the opportunity to kind of reiterate some of the important aspects for parents and junior coaches to understand about looking beyond Division One when it comes time for recruiting for their junior players. And I also want to touch on, and, and I meant to ask you this earlier, but we've just gotten so in-depth in some other topics. You know, Junior coaches use college placement as marketing tools, right? They like to be able to say, you know, I placed, you know, 10 kids at top 25 schools in the last five years or whatever. The question that parents need to be asking is, what about the rest of the kids that come to you for coaching? Where are they? What's happening to them after junior tennis? And how many of your kids are playing? in college tennis not just sitting on the bench how many of your kids are enjoying their college tennis experience because they spend all this time playing you know i think my brother played at the university of arkansas redshirted his freshman year he got hurt sophomore year i think he played in eight matches mm-hmm. um redshirt sophomore year so his third year i think he played in 10 matches and he he just transferred. She's like, man, I've put so much work into this. I want to play. Yeah. I want to play every day. And he got offers from middle Tennessee and, and North Carolina and, and Oklahoma. And he was like, he had some friends that were at Washburn. And he was like, I, I know for a fact I'm playing one there and yeah. I know we're going to win. He won a conference championship there. He was top 30 in the country in division two. And he, feels like a rock star now. I mean, he tells everybody walks around. Yeah, I, I was. As you know, he should. I was, I As he 30. should. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I'm just like, yeah, my brother was great. He's, you know, played two years at Washburn and is already in the top 20 in wins. Like, mm-hmm. it's insane. Um, so, yeah, I think for parents, it's asking how many of, how many of your kids are playing and, and actually reaping the benefits of all this hard work to where they actually get to see themselves play in, in this competitive atmosphere instead of just be a cheerleader, mm-hmm. um, a glorified cheerleader and get all the gear. You know, my kids get tons of gear. Um, we get probably just as much gear as a lot of mid-major D1 programs. Um, but yeah, what was the first thing you wanted me to address? <laughs> it was, it was, it was, a. Uh, all right, you're asking the old lady to remember the question? No, it doesn't work uh, that way. Sorry. Yeah, I no, think we, were, I think we, we were talking about the coaches using using yeah. their college placements as marketing tools. And yeah. Yeah, I think that's that's a problem for sure. Yeah. Um, and and I want the college coaches, excuse me, the junior coaches to hear what you're saying, Chance, about the type of experience these kids have when they choose an NAIA school or they choose a Division II school. We're not even talking about Division Three today. That's a, you know, a whole other level of opportunity for these kids. But we have got to do a better job educating the tennis community as a whole about all the opportunities that are available in the college tennis world, not just top 25 division one schools. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I think it boils down also to this idea of um, helping kids kind of mental health wise as well. Like, you know, you, you get yeah. these smaller schools, we have way more. Yeah. A big, big division one is going to have a psychologist, but here, I mean, I'm, I'm constantly talking to my kids about everything and their teachers are, and, you know, we have counselors on campus and everything like that, but also at the same time, you know, I, my first year at William was, I had to recruit an entirely new men's team. All four, I recruited six guys, four of those six guys, when they leave William Woods, will be in the top 10 and wins. Wow. And we'll have top 10 winning percentages. They'll have all American statuses. They'll have all conference statuses and ITA scholar athletes and you, you name it, all these accolades. And they're going to have trophies from, from the William Woods awards and, and, all these things and that's that's so benefiting to the student and confidence that they can go achieve things instead of going and riding the bench for four years not only that the resume value is enormous exactly and that's you know i have i got i was team mvp one year at washburn and i got this cool little trophy that thing sits on my desk and my kids love coming in and giving me a little bit of tease about it. But they're also like, oh, my gosh, that's so cool. I'd love to have that. Yeah. And, um, so I just I think I think educating junior coaches like, don't you want to say, OK, yeah, I sent a kid to XYZ University that's a mid-major Division One or a top 25 Division One the kid hasn't played in four years or he plays, you know, plays when they play in NAI school mm-hmm. and then, or say I sent my kid to William Woods university and they've played 125 matches. They've won 70% of the matches. They're an NAI all American. Yeah. And they're the school's top, the winningest player in history, school history. I mean, what kind of branding is that? Like, right. is that not as equal as a top 25? Like, Equal, oh. it's, it's better, in my opinion, you know, to say that they've played all four years, have records that they've won versus, yeah, they signed with the school, but they never saw the court, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's the, the kind of disconnect. Parents here you know, yes, X number of my kids have gone to top 25 D1 schools, but parents, you then have to ask the follow-up question. Did they play at that school? How many years did they stay there? Did they transfer because they weren't getting the education and athletic experience that they were promised? Or the from the coach. Exactly. You You have to ask the follow-up questions. So, Um, We need to step aside. We parents need to step aside of our ego, separate ourselves from our ego of being able to say, oh, my kid got recruited by blah, blah, blah school and refocus on what's really important, which is what type of experience is my child going to have once they step foot on that campus? Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. 
Well, Chance, if parents want to learn more about William Woods University or want to reach out to you to get more information, what's the best way to contact you? And we'll have all of this in the show notes on parentingaces.com. Yeah, uh, my email, which is chance.juiced at williamwoods.edu. You can also find it on www.owls.com on our athletic website. Okay. Um, you know, you can reach out to me and get more information. Um, always, always willing to talk. And I think for me, every single parent I talk to, I tell them I'm, I'm here to be a resource as much as recruit your child. Um, so if we're not the school for you, that doesn't mean our contact has to stop. Um, I love that. You guys can ask me about other coaches, other programs. I'm going to be blunt and honest. I'm going to tell you whether they're great or not. Um, and I'll tell you where we sit honestly as well. I mean, if that's, if that's what you want. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm here to be a resource and help other people out. And I want to help American kids get to the schools where they feel valued and where they're going to be successful. I love it. Chance, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to chat with us. And I suspect we're going to have some follow-up podcast conversations in the near future. So um, check your emails and your DMs. (laughs) (laughs) I'm constantly checking my email. So um, yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you for the time. And uh, I've had fun and can't wait to do it again. Awesome. To my listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We will catch you next time on Parenting Aces. I'm Lisa Stone, and you've been listening to the Parenting Aces podcast. For tennis parents, by a tennis parent. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to us and write a review on iTunes. For more information on navigating the junior and college tennis journey, please visit us online at parentingaces.com. Thanks for tuning in and sharing us with your tennis community.